0: listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here this morning. I am so excited to preach. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tony Alberti. I am the worship pastor here at Freedom, and I love what I do. I love that I get to be a part of this church and a part of the staff. you um, And I just want to say that I'm so, so grateful and so thankful to Pastor Jason and Pastor Monique for allowing me to speak this morning um, and giving me this opportunity. Um, And I also want to say thank you because they believe they have believed in Alexis and I so much and have took us in and walked us through some stuff and uh, just been really, really great pastors. Um, And so I'm super thankful for that. Um, And before we get started this morning, I just want to say a quick prayer for this message. All right, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. We're so thankful that you made a way for us by sending your son to take our place and pay the price of death so we can have a relationship with you, Lord. God, you are everything Lord, you are all we need, and I pray that this morning we would focus on you above all else, that in this place today we would be changed by you, that your word would separate bone from marrow and soul from spirit, Father, that we would be able to see where we are not lining up with you, God. Educate us on how we need to get closer to you. God, I pray that the word this morning would change us forever, and we would not walk away from this place the same way that we walked in, in Jesus' name, amen. So, in life, we all have different things that shape how we view things, okay? I grew up in more of a city environment, more of a city culture, okay? I was five minutes away from anything I wanted to do, right? And so when I moved to Liberty, like three years ago, or four years ago, and I lived here for a year and a half, going anywhere was a task. I was 45 minutes away from anything I wanted to do. I was not used to that. And I did not enjoy it, okay? So we live in a Tascocita again. Um, <laughs> but um, but there, there are things in our life that cause us to view the reality of situations through a perspective rather than the truth. These lenses, whether that is um, past hurts, right, unforgiveness, abuse, maybe the lens is a lifetime of Christianity, Right? Week in, week out, coming to church, there's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the prayer meetings, all the men's groups, all the women's groups, you're there all the time. And it, sh- it shapes how we think and how we process things. Now, that's not a bad thing unless it's shaping how you think and how you process things through the lens of where you no longer afford grace to people who need grace. Right? Right? And so we need to make sure that the lens we have is a lens of the kingdom. We view everything through the, through the kingdom. And viewing everything through the kingdom is through grace and truth. See, the truth of, of God is for us to acknowledge the injustice in the world according to the word. And his grace is the means to handle that injustice to best reflect God to the world. And so it's truth and grace It's not just grace. It's not just truth. See, the church is really, really good at identifying truth that the world is missing out on. We're not so great at identifying grace that they need to get into the kingdom. The world is really, really good at giving everybody and anybody grace. But they're really bad at acknowledging the truth of the situation. So how do we fix this? How do we come to a place to where we can fix this well simple we have to fix the lens we have to fix the lens in which we view the world in which we view the kingdom we have to fix the lens because most of us when we see injustice we attack it with a con- with a condemning truth we don't attack it with a convicting grace and truth so have you ever experienced injustice in your life right Injustice, okay? I think it's fair to say that everybody at some point has experienced injustice. I remember um, my first day in fifth grade. I had just moved schools, okay? I went from living in Kingwood to living in Humble. Just moved schools. I met some people that I was trying to be friends with, and this one girl just comes up and whack, kicked me right in the shin. Never met her. I didn't know her name. Just kicked me in the shin and ran off. What? If that's not injustice, I don't know what is, okay? <laughs> right? See, injustice is one of these things that we, we find little injustices all over life. I'm the type of person where when I come home, from work, I work over, like I have a full-time job Monday through Friday, and I work over off the Beltway in T.C. Jester, and so I have to take the Beltway home, and I live in Atascacita, so I take the Beltway to Westlake Houston, and then come up Westlake Houston to our neighborhood, and before I get there though, there's the exit for Highway 59, right? And so I come up to that exit, sometimes I have to take that exit because I have to go by a client's office before I go home, so I'm just waiting in line in that exit, right, just waiting my turn, Slowly but surely, inching up. And then there's always that one guy. There's always the one guy that's like, whoop, I'm just going to cut right in. And, like, that gets under my skin. It's like, bro, do you not, do you, you think your time is more important than my time? Right? You think your time is more valuable than my time? Just wait your turn. Just wait your turn. Right? <laughs> Like this this really gets frustrating for me. Like this is a real problem. Like I'm not making this up. This is a real problem for me. I get I get angry. Like I am in my truck angry and I have to repent to God because I am so angry. Okay, this is a problem. This is real. All right? So 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 we all experience, see what's funny is Rod right here, he's my uncle, he's looking at me and laughing because he's that guy. But anyways. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and so we've all experienced injustice. What'd you do with that? Did you get angry? Were you hurt? Did you get bitter? Did you seek revenge? Right? Right? I didn't seek revenge. I sought justice. No, justice in your way instead of God's way is revenge. Period. I'm going to repeat it for Deborah. Justice in your way and not God's way is revenge. Period. Period. When we seek to do something in our strength rather than releasing it to the will of the Lord. It's revenge. It's not justice. See, we see this in the world around us today. Cancel culture, right? Who loves cancel culture? Raise your hand real high. Nobody, okay? Nobody likes cancel culture. I can't tell you how many careers have ended because some celebrity tweeted the wrong thing, right? (coughs) He tweeted the wrong thing. She tweeted the wrong thing. And her career, his career, Ended, like just gone, just vanished. So why is it that when people come to the church and they're hurting and they're weary, we try to clean them up first before they experience the goodness of God? We try to cancel that negative behavior that we perceive. See, we can't be a church that cancels things. Jason said it really, really great a few weeks ago. When the son came to the father, when the prodigal son came to the father, he wrapped him in the in the robe and put a ring on his finger, and then he said, "We'll worry about cleaning him up later." Yeah. But he made, he 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 reestablished that he was a son. Hmm. See, there's there's different things that that I, I view injustice as, and, and one of the things, um, Jason, I'm glad you're in here for th- for this story this time because you weren't in here last service for this story, and. Um, and a few weeks ago, we were at, at Peyton's T-ball game. And we're just watching. We're just having fun, sitting next to Riley, sitting next to my wife, sitting next to Jason, just all watching the T-ball game, right? And then I hear my daughters are on the top row playing with some person they just met. You know, that's fine. But then I hear my oldest go, Allie, go away. You can go find your own friends. What? Excuse me? Like, you can ask Jason. I whipped around quick, like, fast. Picked her up, took her away, separated her from the situation, and was like, pretty. I I call both my daughters pretty. I was just like, pretty. We We don't treat people that way. That's not what we do. That is not right. That is not okay. You can't treat your sister that way. You're supposed to defend your sister. You're supposed to defend your sister. See, I saw this as an injustice, but how can I be okay with her ostracizing, or how can I address her ostracizing her sister, but not ostracizing, or address the church ostracizing people from the kingdom? Just because they can't identify, just because we can't identify with somebody's sin doesn't mean we ostracize them. Just because we, we feel we aren't prideful and somebody else is prideful and I can't identify with their pride doesn't mean I say, you, you can't be in the kingdom. This place isn't for you. Just because somebody's sexual orientation is different than mine doesn't mean I get to ostracize them from the kingdom. They need Jesus just as much as I do. And I need Jesus just as much as they do. I'm tired, this is, just, this is just soapbox for just two seconds. I'm tired of the church being known for what we're against than who we are for. Anyways. See, today in my sermon, if, you, if there's only one idea that you get, I want you to get this idea. Just this one simple truth. Where we seek to make things fair, God sacrificed to make things right. Where we seek to make things fair, God sacrificed to make things right. So when we are in the kingdom, we should sacrifice to make things right, because that is God's nature. That is who He is, and we are supposed to become His righteousness. I'm getting ahead of myself though. See, we've all been in a position in life where we could see where we could seek for what we think is fair, or we could pause and go to God and ask Him to show us what's right. I could either, like, so how, how many people have taken the DISC personality profile, right? Okay, fair amount. Uh, if you haven't, it's on our, on our website, freedomdl.com slash tests, all right? Go, go figure out your personality. My personality, I'm an ID, okay? I'm very people-oriented, but I'm also very task-and-driven-oriented, and when I get task-and-driven-oriented, people go out the window, Okay? People go out the window. I don't care about the people. I care about the task. I've got to get the task done. Right? That's all I care about. Right? And the, the, the thing is, is the church has become about the task instead of being about the people. We've become about seeking what's fair. We've become about defending God. God does not need us to defend him. We don't have to defend him. He is God Almighty, God All-Powerful, the Father. Yeah. The Father defends his kids. The kids don't defend their father. <laughs> Anyways. See, a lot, of, a lot of the things that I've seen injustice in because I've grown up in church has been within a church context. I've seen most of the hurt and most of the injustice within church and I'm sure if we took a poll of the room, people would lift their hands and talk about church hurt, right? You could, you could lift your hand and, and remember the moment and go back to the feeling right then of what happened. See, but the beautiful thing is here at Freedom, we are about authentic relationship, real experience, and lasting freedom. That's what we are about. Authentic relationship, real experience, and lasting freedom. But the first step before you get to authentic relationship You do that by giving up who we are and being transformed into who God wants us to be. Mm -hmm. We have to give up who we are. I'm this. This is my personality. God, who'd you make me to be? How do you want me to use this? I think this way, and it doesn't make sense all the time. Why did you put this? Why did you wire me this way? How do you want me to use this? See, and this gets us to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Through us. God is making his appeal to sinners in the world through you. Through you. What are you doing with that? You can't say you're a Christian and look like, smell like, talk like the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. If it talks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, more than likely it's a duck. I'm not. I'm, I'd be real surprised if a chicken walk around, walked around the corner. Authentic relationship, real experience, and lasting freedom. Lasting freedom is one of the most important ones because Jason gave a perfect analogy. You get people around you, and it's like a ratchet strap. Each time you pull it back, it can't go back to to where it was. And we are not going to allow people who experience freedom to go back to who they were. And we only do that through being his ambassadors. But let me, let me finish the scripture. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So let's break this down for just a second. Verse 16, we don't regard anyone according to their flesh. When you look at people and you're upset at them, do you look at them and say they're a son and a daughter of God, or do you say they're a liar and a cheater and a thief? 17, we are a new creation. Why is it that we expect people to see all the growth we've made, but we refuse to see the growth that people have made? We must start seeking out to make things right based upon the kingdom that made things right for us. The kingdom made things right for us. And so we have to step into that and walk through that and bring people into that process, not what we define as what's right. Christ has reconciled us, this is verse 18, Christ has reconciled us therefore we are instruments of reconciliation and should be focused on bringing reconciliation to the world whenever there is injustice is the thought process how can i take revenge or how can i bring them closer to god how can i make me right or how can i get them right with him verse 20 we are his ambassadors we represent him everywhere we go every step you take every word you say Wherever you go, you're representing him. Are you representing him? And this this is my favorite revelation out of the whole, whole thing. Verse 21. Christ took on our sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. So what does it mean to be the righteousness of God? What does that mean? Well, in verse 21... The Greek word for righteousness there means equity of character or act. Equity of character or act. And equity there means justice or justification. So we are the justice or justification of character or act of God. We become his justice on the earth. When we take on him and we are a new creation, we become an ambassador of kingdom justice, kingdom-oriented, focused Justice, kingdom-oriented focus, justice, it was paid on the cross. Justice was paid on the cross for people. And so we are supposed to point people back to that, not look down on them and point our finger at them and say, you've got to fix this. They don't have the power to fix that. I don't have the power to fix me. So who am I to go to somebody and say, you've got to fix this? So what happens when we begin to seek what we think is justice? So, well, it's real simple. There's a few red flags that pop up. They're, I, uh, they, they're, they should be like check engine lights for your soul. If you're doing one of these three things, you should be like, oh, I need some service. God, come change my oil. Like, <laughs> I need something. Number one, we're depending on our own strength. Do you constantly feel like, God, I've got to do this? I've, I've i've lord i need more strength so i can face this battle no he, in his scripture he says in his in our weakness he is made strong we've got to embrace the weakness not try to power our way through number two have you made the battle yours when the battle is god's have you made it yours have you made the battle yours? And what I mean by that is have you looked at the sin in somebody else and made them an enemy because you don't like the sin that they're doing? So Rod's family, so I'm going to use him. I didn't have people in the service last time to use. I really like to call on people in the audience. But, um, so Rod, right, if Rod lies to me and I find out about it, and I look at him and say, you're a liar, and I treat him like a liar all the time. I'm not looking at him, I've made the battle mine and declared him an enemy when he's a son of God, and so I've made an enemy of the son of God, which means I've made an enemy of God. Mm -hmm. Just because they are lost does not mean they aren't sons and daughters. And so that leads directly into the third point. We've forgotten that they're a son or a daughter. Just because I don't like what they're doing doesn't mean they're not a son or a daughter. The prodigal was still a son when he left. Paul, when he was Saul and he was persecuting the church, was still a son. He thought he was doing what was right. So many of us acknowledge Paul and identify with Paul when we should be identifying with Saul. So what does this say about the justice of God? The justice of God is found when we look past the sin and death and see sons and daughters. And we can only do that when we understand the cross. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, "...and you who were dead in your trespasses..." We were dead in our trespasses but God set it aside by nailing it to the cross. Do you believe your sin was nailed to the cross with Christ? Or are you still focused on the enemy that is your sin? Are you still focused on that? Our sin has been conquered, it's been disarmed. Are you walking that out? Are you walking out victory? That God is victorious, that you've been forgiven, freely, forever forgiven, past, present, and future sins. As long as you believe that he is Lord, as long as you confess that he is Lord, and you are pursuing after him, it's only when you stop pursuing when you stop running after him. Anyways, I'm getting into theology. Are you walking this belief belief out? Do we believe that God has done this for the people that have hurt us? Do you believe that God can forgive them? Do you believe that God already has forgiven them? In order for us to walk out God-driven justice, we have to set unforgiveness aside. You're not allowed to have unforgiveness or offense in the kingdom. It's not allowed. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what name they've called you. I don't care what disrespect they've shown you. And that one right there, respect. That's a big one for me. When I feel like somebody has disrespected who I am, what I do, and what I stand for, oh, by golly, that is hard. Whew. That's tough. It's, it's tough. I was in a situation where I was with a man that was mentor, dad, for a long time. In one week, after service, I led worship in the service. He didn't enjoy how worship went. He called the whole worship team together. It was like, hey, after service, we're going to meet, and uh, we need to have a meeting after church. Then he invited the whole church to the meeting. So I was sitting, you know, we had a middle section. I was sitting dead center in the middle section during this meeting, and he was standing at the pulpit just like this. And he goes, I don't know who picked that worship set. Lie. He did know because I had to submit it to him. I don't know who picked that worship set. But they need to find the Lord because they're they're lacking the spirit. They need to repent of whatever sin they've got in their life because they don't know who God is. They don't know his character. They're devoid of everything that he's about. Whole worship team knows what's going on. I've had a couple amens in the back. I'm sitting here from a man that called me son. He's looking at me, telling me these things. Looking at me, telling me these things. Pretty important piece to the story that I, I don't, I haven't gotten to talk to everybody yet, but my dad died when I was about eight years old. And so, like, I lacked a father. Wanted a father. Found a father in this man, so I thought. And that happened. And I remember for years being angry about this. Years. And finally, having to realize he's not my enemy. He's just a son that's hurting just like I am. In order for us to walk out God-driven justice, we have to set unforgiveness aside. See, because Jesus put the joy of our salvation in front of him and endured the cross. Hebrews says it this way, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the founder and perfecter, Of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The founder and perfecter put the joy of someone else's salvation in front of him as he marched to his death. Are you marching to your death, putting the hope and joy of someone else's salvation? Because that's what Christ asked us to do, right? Pick up our cross daily. Pick up our cross daily. Forgiving people, showing compassion to people feels like death. It does. Like, this is something I'm walking through right now. This past week has been the heart. like, it would be the week that I preach about it, wouldn't you know it? Right? Right? The week that I'm preaching about compassion, I haven't gotten there yet, but you'll see in a minute. The week that I'm preaching about compassion, every little offense and un- bit of unforgiveness, all the situations with all those people pop up. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? People I haven't heard from in years called me out of the blue. Hey man, how are you? What are you doing calling me? Like, forget this guy. Like, I don't want to talk to you, right? he's the founder and perfecter of our faith and put the joy of our salvation before him. Are we putting the joy of their salvation before us? The justice for sin is death, yet God the Father made a way for life for all through his son Jesus. If you look at somebody and think they don't deserve salvation, (laughs) we gotta get some stuff straight. Are we looking for redemption in people? See, because our lens of justice looks for God, for revenge, God's lens of justice looks to redeem. Our lens of justice looks for revenge. When we say, this is injustice, I'm gonna make it right, what we're really saying is, I'm gonna take revenge on this person. But God's lens of justice looks to redeem. God's lens of justice says, let me go reconcile. Reconcile. Let me have a meeting where I swallow my pride and I sit down and I really listen to what they have to say even though 110% of me tells me that they're wrong. So are we looking for redemption in people? See, we can't look for redemption when our perspective is offense. It's so hard to see redemption for others when offense is present because when offense is present, that's the only thing we see. If you put your hand in front of your face right here, this is the only, like, I can kind of see some stuff, but I, this is basically what I'm seeing is my hand. Yeah. And so you can see some hope and some glimmers through the offense, but you don't get the whole picture because you're hurt, you're wounded. That's right. That's right. See, but part, being a part of the kingdom means replacing the lens of offense with the lens of redemption. We are not the source of redemption. We're simply a representation of it. So how can we be an accurate representation of the kingdom if we are not willing to walk out redemption? See, and so the question has to be asked, how can I walk out all of these things? How can, how can I be a light? How can I love people? How can I lay down my offense? How can I lay down my unforgiveness? How can I bring Redemption, how can I bring his righteousness? How can I walk these things out? Well, I'm glad you asked. Point number one, have compassion. Have compassion. See, our justice sees cost, but God's mercy sees the cross. Our justice sees cost, but God's mercy sees the cross. when we're so focused on what they've taken from me or what they've done to me or how they've hurt me, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've, we've, we've lost sight of the cross. We've lost sight of what God's done for us. Knowing what God's done for me, how can I ever not want him to do that for somebody else? We can't forget that the forgiveness of, that God has shown us When we begin to think we've made it, that we're good, oh, man, I'm forgiven, I've gotten rid of all the stuff. That's just like checklist stuff. That's man mentality. We start to fall into the trap of thinking that the people around us walking in sin are our enemy. Oh, they're doing that because they just want to trip me up. They want to get me away from the Lord. They aren't. They're just people that haven't experienced the goodness of God. Sinners are just people that don't understand the Father the way you do. That's it. They just don't understand the Father the way you do. You've experienced the goodness. You know, for a long time, my dad dying always made me feel like he left me. Like he chose to leave me. How is him dying, him choosing to leave me? That's just the reality of the situation. He didn't choose to leave me. Circumstances led to him passing away. But I felt abandoned. All these people in the world are seeking purpose. They're seeking something more, and we have the answer. But if we aren't representing it in a way that is bringing justice to the character and nature and likeness of God, they're never going to see it. They're never going to see it. So have compassion. See, we cannot have compassion when we're leading with offense. The only way for people to see the light of God through us is for us to lead with compassion. When we lay down our offenses, we become a beacon for the goodness of God in the world. How do they experience that? How do they see the goodness of God? How do they wrestle with that? How does the goodness of God draw them? Well, we have to be an accurate representation of his righteousness. We can't just be like, went to church. I'm a representation. Ooh, Christian, self-five, like, <laughs> like we can't. That's not how it works. Matthew nine thirty-six through thirty-eight says this: When he, being Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful." But the labor the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You're you're praying for people to come into the kingdom. I'm praying for people to come into the kingdom when what we really need to be doing is being active in our representation of him. Stop praying and hoping that they're gonna come. Go do the work. Go do the work. See, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We get so upset because a Democrat or a Republican or whatever you want to turn it into, your political ideology has no place in the kingdom. No place in the kingdom. It's about him and what he wants who he is. Stop letting man-made thought processes and doctrines affect the scriptures. We should constantly be on the lookout for ways we can show the light and love of God to the world. If we aren't viewing those around us with compassion, all we will see is what we are viewing as right and wrong without giving room for the goodness of God to work through us to be a light. If if we aren't leading with compassion, we're just going to view people as they're, they're living right, they're living wrong. They're living right, they're living wrong. They're living right, they're living wrong. Why? Because they meet our checklist. They could be whitewashed tombs for all we know. Isn't that what Jesus said to the Pharisees? You whitewash tombs. According to, to all the people, it, like, everybody was unclean but them. And Jesus is like, nope, whitewash tombs. You look great on the outside, but you're hollow and dead on the inside. Be careful that you don't put so much emphasis on what you look like, sound like, On the outside, that you're hollow and dead on the inside. Because Matthew chapter 7 says it clearly. Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out many demons in your name? Did I not perform signs and wonders in your name? And he's going to say, yeah, but get away from me, for you never knew me. Just because you operate in the power of who God is doesn't mean you know his character. That's why it's so important on being an accurate representation of him. Jesus showed compassion to people not knowing who they are, what they stood for, and where they fell on any given issue. But he still showed compassion. So have we allowed ourselves to limit the message that we are representing because we don't have compassion for people we don't agree with? Do you have to agree with them to give them compassion? Because honestly, that one right there is real hard for me. I want you to agree with me because I think I'm right, because I'm prideful and arrogant. I'm just being real. Last night, I was, I was going to bed and I, I was just thinking through some stuff. And all I could say is, God, forgive me for my pride. God, forgive me for being arrogant, thinking that I know what's best. I'm not you. I'm not you. Point number two be hungry and thirsty. Be hungry and thirsty. Matthew 5 6 says this Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What do you hunger and thirst for? Is it righteousness or is it lust? Is it righteousness or is it anger? Because no matter what, you're going to be filled and satisfied with whatever you're hungry and thirsty for. One just leads to life and the other leads to death. I love leadership stuff and I was listening to John C. Maxwell on his podcast and he was talking about leadership laws. And the particular leadership law he was talking about it was the law of connection. And this says you have to touch a heart before you, you ask for a hand. So I need to have relationship before I try to, to ask somebody for something. Which that all make, that makes sense, right? Like, you don't just go up to a stranger and be like, "Yo, man, can I borrow your truck? I need to move." <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know? And and knowing this, it put him in a position where he was he was talking to people and he was trying to figure out like law of connection, like connecting with them and asking them what they enjoyed to do. And he's like, "Man, I would see." I would see so much potential, but like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Everybody knows that saying. He said, but the more I thought about it, I asked myself, how can I make the horse thirsty? Because when I make him thirsty, he'll go find his own drink. So what is making you thirsty? Do you have people in your life challenging you? Do you have people in your life having tough conversations with you? That's why I'm thankful for Jason. Jason. He is not afraid to have a tough conversation with me. Like, he, always, every single time, though, he asks me, he's like, can I just be real with you? I'm like, bro, you, yeah, like, bring it. I'm, I'm dense in the head, okay? Like, I need you to lay it out, like, plain, okay? Like, don't try to get all artsy with it. Just, like, be like, you're being an idiot, fix this. Got it, cool. Like, I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> like, that's what I need. See, the issue is if we're thirsty... For our own justice, what we were really seeking is self-gratification. But when we're seeking for his righteousness, we will always show compassion first. Compassion isn't agreeing, but it's simply being there for the hurting and weary the way Christ was there for us. See, God's justice was served on the cross for all people. Now we have a choice in every action to choose to nail the justice we seek to the cross with Christ or fall into the trap of the enemy. Do you want to be right or righteous? Do you want to be right or righteous? Point number three, lead with mercy. Lead with mercy. We cannot seek God's justice without leading for mercy. It is grace and truth. There's a saying that I've heard several times since being here at Freedom. I've heard Jason say it. I've heard uh, Pastor Chuck at New Covenant listening to his, his sermon say it. And that is, truth without grace you dry up. Grace without truth you blow up. Truth with Truth and grace you grow up. Truth without grace you dry up because it's so dogmatic. There's no room for error. Grace without truth you blow up because there's no truth to keep you in line. Truth and grace, you grow up because it's the truth that you walk out and the grace that is there to catch you when you fall. See, condemnation always leads to separation, conviction always leads to education. Condemnation will always separate, conviction will always educate. Period. You want to know if it's God or not? Are you separated or are you educated? Are you educated on how to fix the situation and you want to do something about it? Or are you condemned and feel down on yourself and you don't know what to do and you spiral? Leading with mercy doesn't mean sacrificing truth just as leading with truth doesn't mean sacrificing grace. It's both. It is both. We have to understand that These people are his sheep just like you and I are. Whoever it is, whatever herd it is, they are his sheep, period. They are a son and a daughter, period. Are you treating them as such? Or have you cast them out of the kingdom when God hasn't? Are you viewing his sheep, his people, with the same compassion that God views you? So I'm going to wrap up, and I want to ask you three questions, so if everybody could stand. See, we we all want to be used in our purpose, but in order to do that, we have to submit to the ways of God and become his righteousness. This leads us back to the beginning of the message. We have to submit to his ways. It's not my way. It's not what I interpret. It's what the, the book says. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. Have we allowed the hurts of our past to dictate the views of the people around us? It would be so wrong for me to hold Jason accountable because a past mentor hurt me. How am I going to do that to him? He's not him. He's not him. We've got to stop letting the enemy get so rooted in us. He gets so rooted in us and our hurts, our pains. It's just this big open door. Man, I'm so tired of the church hurting because of offense. Are we holding people to a standard that they don't understand? Are there people in this world that don't live like us and we hold them to the the same biblical standard that we hold ourselves to knowing that we have repented and come to Christ when they haven't? So the three questions I want to ask you. Number one, how can you show the goodness of God to the world this week? How can you show the goodness of God to the world this week? Number two, how can you show compassion to everyone around you this week? Number three, how can we be his ambassadors to the world? How can you be an ambassador this week? How can you represent him well? So, I'd like to ask the team to to go ahead and, come over for prayer. And I'm just going to challenge you. Just if you need help with any of this stuff, come pray. The altar is a safe space where we come to God and let him work on us and change us and renew us and revive us. So if you need help, come pray. You need to be changed, come pray. So I'm going to pray and I'd like you to respond if you want to respond. And I believe Jason will close out service for us. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good and so holy and so mighty, Lord. And we're so thankful for you. Father, we're so thankful that you call us sons and daughters. And I pray that in this place today, Lord, that the compassion would be what drives us, Lord. That your compassion that you've shown to us so many times, we, we could show to other people. That it would be forever changed, Lord. In Jesus' name. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and locations, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.